0: Hey, folks, husband host Travis here. Um, so after this episode went up, a couple of people pointed out that uh, numerous times throughout the episode, we listed people's birth names or as they're often called dead names. Um, and you know what? Looking back and after some people kind of brought it to our attention, we realized that those names are not important to understanding the figures that we're talking about in this episode and so we don't need to discuss their dead names so we went back through uh, we re-edited the episode and removed those Um, and you know I think it is a testament to how unimportant they are to these people's life stories that you probably wouldn't even notice that I edited them out if I hadn't told you so uh, thanks to everyone who pointed that out to us and please enjoy the episode Hi, internet. It's me, uh, husband host Travis McElroy. So, before we get into the episode, I wanted to do a bit of a content warning here. Um, This is, I think, a great episode full of important information about some really cool historical figures, but there's mention of things like suicide and police brutality and general judgment and violence and marginalization faced by transgender people so i just wanted to let everyone know that ahead of time uh now on with the episode I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy.
1: And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? You know, I keep on trucking.
0: Yeah. yeah. I didn't know you were a truck driver.
1: Oh, wait. I'm not. You're not? So I, I can't use keep on trucking? You truckin'? stop trucking? No. No, I never started trucking. You
0: never began trucking. Right. Uh, so
1: I am. I continue the level of trucking I've always done.
0: You have maintained a standard level of trucking yes. for you. I'm worried you
1: plateaued. I do keep on trucking in the same manner that I've always not been trucking.
0: Have you ever considered increasing your level of trucking? No. Reaching for a new, like, higher standard? No, I'm cool. You're perfectly happy? Not trucking. <sighs> I'm disappointed in you. I'm worried that you've become complacent in your level of trucking. Eh? Meh. None of this has anything to do <laughs> with what we're talking about. So uh, it is Pride Month. Uh, we we have neared the end of it now, only a few days left. Um, and there's also been a lot recently protesting police brutality. And it, it got me thinking, you know. Got those uh,
1: wheels turning. Got
0: those wheels turning. Uh, thinking about uh, the, the intersection of Pride Month and uh, a- a- anti-police brutality. And so, of course, I thought of Marsha P. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, let's do a bio episode, not just about Marsha P. Johnson, but about uh, trans-historical figures. I'm into it. Uh, and-, and I'm going to be presenting this one. Uh, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it. But before we do, the thing uh, that I think will be uh, kind of a recurring theme in here is that uh, a lot of these figures you probably have not heard of um, in in standard historical you know history classes in school. All of these people deserve to be discussed, um, and
1: more than we are going to yeah, today. Like obviously, they they
0: their stories are like so. Amazing and incredible, and I mean, we could talk about them for hours and still not do justice. So, if you want to do more research on it, we highly encourage you to do so. Uh, you, there's resources all over the internet to do that. Um, you could check out Sammy Nor Eunice's uh, uh, TED Talk called "A Short History of Trans People's Long Fight for Equality." Uh, the Louise Lawrence Transgender Archive. Uh, you can find blogs, YouTube channels, uh, all kinds of things run by trans people focusing on queer history. Uh, check them out. And if you are a trans person listening to this episode, I, I, you know, I was about to say it goes without saying, but it really doesn't. And I think that that, uh, is, is something that it's easy if you, you know, are a quote unquote nice person who thinks things like this go without saying. Uh, but we support you. You are you. Um, and we, you know, we are on your side and we'll do what you need. We support you, you are you, and we love you. So, let's talk about some incredible historical figures. First, I want to talk about Albert Casher. So, Albert was born uh, in a small fishing village in Dublin on Christmas Day, 1843. Nice. Now, what I this is completely off topic, but While, uh, so baby dot was born January 7th, Mm -hmm. and I was so worried that her birthday was going to be like on Christmas day. And that seems like a bummer to me, but something about it being like in Victorian times and born on Christmas Day seems like a fun thing.
1: I mean, it feels like a Dickensian novel. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is.
0: So Albert immigrated to the U.S. as a child, eventually settling in Illinois, uh, and he was assigned female at birth. But it is said that he began dressing as a man shortly after arriving in the U.S., and by the time 1862 rolled around, he enlisted in the Union Army. Woo, go uh, Union! Yes, he was short, uh, about five three.
1: Hey, that's about me too.
0: Yes, and uh, it said that his his fellow soldiers kind of teased him uh, about the way he kept his uniform buttoned high above his Adam's apple and slept away from you know everyone else. But no one teased him for his skill in battle. Uh, he was one heck of a soldier. Uh, he was, he fought with the 95th Illinois Infantry. Uh, he was a hero in several major Civil War battles. Uh, and his bravery was written about on several occasions. Uh, once he was captured by, uh, the Confederacy and escaped by overpowering a guard.
1: Hey. Uh,
0: another time. And, and just remember, just, that five three number. That's the yeah. thing that he overpowered a guard at five three. Uh, there was another story where he grabbed a union flag, which had fallen, uh, and, and, uh, it had fallen due to Confederate gunfire and he raced to the top of a hill and planted it as a gesture that the union would see victory. Uh, by the end of his career with the 95th regiment, cashier, uh, would have fought in Mississippi. Missouri and Tennessee marching almost ten thousand miles for the Union over the course of three years. Uh, That's a
1: bad mamma jamma right there.
0: Indeed tis. Indeed tis. He's credited with the famous Civil War quote, Come out of there, you damned rebels, and show your face. So And
1: because it's a quote, we can say that.
0: Yes. Uh, now, it wasn't uncommon for working class women to dress as men to get jobs in the 1800s. And because
1: there... ladies were not allowed to work Indeed. at stuff.
0: Indeed. And that's not fair. Uh, and there were are several accounts of women who fought in the Civil War disguised as men on both sides. But for Casher, it wasn't just a paycheck and it wasn't about just fighting... Um, When the war ended, he continued to live his life as a man. He returned to his hometown and took work as a farmhand, a lamplighter and a handyman. Uh, He voted in elections, had a bank account uh, and was able to claim his military pension. All of those things, by the way, the voting in elections and bank account. Before you say like, uh, yeah, remember, eighteen hundreds, still that was a big deal.
1: Yeah, and Uh, women weren't allowed to do it.
0: Indeed, that's what I'm saying. This is it was a big deal that he did these things.
1: This is like, this is just a a person living their life.
0: Indeed, yeah, and like after, uh, this heroic military career. Just wanted to live a simple life in a one room cabin. You know, I've talked about before. I'm a big fan. I probably talked about it on this show, but I talked about Cincinnati. You know, this right. idea of like doing your duty and not doing it for a claim or reward, but just because you think it's the right thing to do. And Albert, man, Albert was like an exemplar of that. So things were going fine until 1911 when Casher was hit by a car and broke his leg. And when he was sent to the hospital, his assigned birth sex was discovered. But the doctor agreed to keep a secret and helped him transfer to a home specifically for male ex-military members in Quincy, Illinois. And, you know... Well,
1: that's the whole thing about HIPAA too, right? Like... Yeah. Doctors are supposed to keep your...
0: Uh, keep I'm your willing health to bet history. In 1911, maybe HIPAA wasn't a thing. Probably
1: not. But no. like I, it it should be part of the do no harm, Indeed. I think. Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, and so uh, from all reports, Casher was happy and was even visited by soldiers he had fought with in the Civil War. Uh, but two years later, he developed dementia. Uh, which during that time meant that you were sent to an asylum.
1: Oh, Yeah.
0: And there, his assigned birth sex was discovered and those doctors were not so understanding. They, I would say, very cruelly forced him to wear a dress and present as a woman for the rest of his days.
1: Some of those, I mean, you you hear about these asylums, which are supposed to mean like haven, like safe, and it's yes, not. It's no, not safe. not
0: at all. Not
1: I, safe for bodies, not safe for mines
0: now there is uh, a bit of a, a you know bright side a, a silver streak what am I thinking of was silver it lining silver lining uh his his comrades never gave up on him uh, one of his fellow veterans made numerous attempts to transfer him back to the soldiers homes and in his death his comrades took charge and gave him a full military funeral where he was buried in his union uniform and they made sure that his headstone had the name Albert casher Next, let's talk about Weiwa. All right. So uh, Weiwa is a great opportunity to talk about how trans identity is not only as old as time, but was also stifled by colonialism.
1: Oh, man. So much stifled by colonialism. We talked about this a lot in our Hawaii episode. Mm -hmm. And it's... (sighs) It's hard to to kind of, like, recognize in yourself that you are a product of the thing that you hate. Yep. Uh, but here we are. So yep. we're reckoning with
0: it. Well, I mean, like I said, we're dealing with a lot of systemic stuff right now uh, that is hard to admit is a problem if you, you know, are part of or in our case, as, you know, cisgender white you know middle class people like we in the u.s which is a
1: product of colonialism
0: yeah we like we are the ones who tend to indirectly or directly benefit from things like colonialism and systemic racism and all of these things so it can be very difficult to say like yes it is a problem when you're sitting there going it's never affected me but but it does it does so whether it was Central Africa, South America, the Pacific Islands, or beyond, many civilizations that were wiped out by colonialism recognized multiple genders, some dating back as long as 2,000 years ago. Indigenous American tribes each had their own terms, but as Sammy Noor-Tunes points out in his talk, many had an umbrella term for two spirits.
1: I've heard of this. Yes.
0: It means someone who possessed both masculine and feminine energies. So these people were often looked at as shamans and healers in their communities. And it wasn't until the spread of colonialism that they were forcibly taught to think otherwise about gender norms.
1: I think that not only, you know, colonialism as far as governments go, but
0: also religion. religion. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Man. So Wei was a well-respected Zuni tribesperson. Uh, known for their singing, dancing, weaving, poetry, and just being cool, uh, amongst their tribe. So Weiwa was Ilhamana or two-spirited. And I'm also going to say, uh, apologies if I min- mispronounced that, uh, as, as is evidence that there's not nearly enough education in history on this. I, in trying to find the correct pronunciation for Ilhamana, I couldn't. On the internet. So I don't know what that says. Um, uh, so Ilhamana uh, was a third gender recognized by their people. That meant they were assigned male at birth, but gifted with blended male and female characteristics. So at puberty, Wewa underwent Zuni manhood ceremonies as well as learning female tasks and dressing as a woman. This confused American missionaries who settled in 1877, especially anthropologist Matilda Cox-Stevenson, who befriended Wewa in 1879 and eventually took him to the White House in 1886 to meet all of Washington High Society, including President Grover Cleveland.
1: This has kind of a, a two-handed uh, argument, right? Where, like, this person, Weiwa was considered important enough. yeah to meet the president and high society but also is it kind of like the uh the old idea of like showing off something quote
0: exotic exactly that and and we there's a, another figure in here that we'll talk about too but it's this idea of like that i i would say that for a long time and you see this a lot in history that this kind of behavior was mistaken for accepting but really, they were being treated as an oddity. You yeah. Know? Is yeah, that yeah. like, check this out. How cool is that? Look at this interesting person I've brought to dinner. And not not as like... Yeah,
1: more of an object than right, anything Right, exactly. Else. I yeah. would
0: say that they were objectified and not really treated as like, yeah, they're just living their lives. So leave them alone. It was something to be like, quote unquote, celebrated at best. Mm-hmm. Or at worst, you know, kind of gawked at. Um. Uh, Stevenson described Weiwa as the strongest character and the most intelligent of the Zuni tribe, and claimed not to know that her friend was, uh, you know, that went through the male puberty rites until their death. Washington society accepted Weiwa as a Zuni princess, but when called to action, Weiwa left Washington to lead the revolt against the American allies who now threatened the Zuni way of life.
1: Oh, yeah. Get it.
0: Uh, so let's talk about Louise Lawrence. So, despite wanting to live as a woman all her life, Louise Lawrence was married in 1930 and had a daughter. Uh, and when her wife died five years later, Louise began corresponding with other trans people in her area. After a nervous breakdown, she finally transitioned full-time to living as a woman without hormones and without surgery, and she moved to San Francisco, where by the mid-1940s and 1950s, medical researchers were starting to study trans medicine. Uh, And they were only able to do this because of patients like Louise.
1: What a pioneer. That's awesome.
0: Oh, I'm not even done yet. It keeps going. Okay. So she corresponded extensively uh, with... People who had been arrested for public cross-dressing, and there's a lot of
1: air quotes, quotes, yeah, a lot
0: of outdated terms in here. Remember, this is you know 1930s and Mm -hmm. 40s. Um, so had been arrested for public cross-dressing, and in 1948, she began to work with sexual researcher Alfred Kinsey. Uh, who you may recognize name from the Kinsey scale, mm-hmm. which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, the idea that uh, when you're talking about sexuality, that it is not just, uh, you know, yes or no, as to whether one is heterosexual or homosexual, that it's a scale, right? The, the the yeah.
1: So many things are are on a scale. There's so much. There's so much gray area when it comes to uh, the this scale right. and the gender scale and the um, the autism spectrum and it's, like uh, there. It
0: just goes to show that everything is on a scale when it comes to yeah. people. Well, so there there are people who just cannot deal with ambiguity. Right. And they, they want yes or no answers. They want it to be one or two, right? They cannot deal with, there's not really a name for it. There's not really an answer to this. There's a, And so in order to try to achieve their own comfort... They will sacrifice other people's rights and other people's safety and all of that so that they feel more comfortable. Um, So back to Louise. Louise. Uh, so Louise was able to introduce Alfred uh, to a massive network of trans people and encourage those that she met to get Alfred their life stories. In the 1960s, when Virginia Price launched the magazine Transvestia, Louise's address book was their original subscription list.
1: More pioneer yes. stuff.
0: Oh, right. oh. So when we're Virginia- getting
1: excited yes. over here, <laughs> when Virginia
0: Prince launched Transvestia, she was quoted saying that the magazine was for, quote, The needs of those heterosexual persons who have become aware of their, quote, other side and seek to express it, end quote. The magazine became a safe space for individuals to tell their story without judgment. Each issue had a section where the cover person would tell their story, where newcomers could be embraced by the community, and even a place where wives could write in about their relationships with their husbands who cross-dressed. Okay, uh, okay. so Transvestia immediately received pushback that got Prince arrested for the crime of quote sending obscene material through the post. Which is and, why but,
1: nothing gold can stay. Yeah.
0: And that um that law, by the way, uh the sending obscene material through the post I, if you want to go down a rabbit hole of censorship, check that out because that also is the thing that limited, uh, like sex sex education oh.
1: in America.
0: Like there was a a like you couldn't send textbooks about anatomy through the mail in some cases because it included like diagrams of sex organs and stuff. Like it it's absolutely bonkers how much that this like. Postal law affected censorship in, and
1: in the every everyone's different um, definition of obscene.
0: A- absolutely. Absolutely. Prince pled guilty and was given a sentence of five years probation, but transvestia had already made an impact in the community because Louise Lawrence was able to get the publication where it was most needed. Mm-hmm. Louise continued to send information to the Kinsey archives even after Alfred Kinsey's death in 1956. And before she died at 63, she is quoted as saying, Quote, I consider Louise to be my true identity, even though the birth records say differently. On this, I will stand, for to me, as for most people who know me, I am Louise. I maintain that people are personalities first, and statistical facts are merely additional information. End quote.
1: I really like that. I really like that people are personalities first. Oh,
0: you made my skin Because tingle.
1: people are people. People yes. are people first.
0: Well, and it's just what we were talking about. You know, this idea of like statistical facts... Being information that make people more comfortable. They want to be able to understand and they want to be able to quantify things. But really, people are personalities and saying like, oh, I can profile you based on this and how you look and how you dressed and how you act and how you," you can't do that. Right. People are made up of. Countless decisions and countless personality traits.
1: Is it, and, how's that? More than the sum of their parts?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So to think that like, by answering these 10 questions, I could know everything yeah. about you. Is, I'm
1: racking uh, up uh, idioms yes, for the next one I, I, as well. Too. I can't
0: stop. <laughs> the other day I said something about blowing smoke and I was like, yes. yes oh, write really
1: that saw. one okay. down.
0: Um, <laughs> let's talk about Christine Jorgensen. So- Christine Jorgensen was born in 1926, and she would be go- she would go on to be one of the first Americans to receive successful gender reassignment surgery.
1: Sometimes when I see like a nineteen, I think, "Oh, that really wasn't that long ago," but it's a hundred years ago. Yes, yes, almost a yes. hundred years ago at this point.
0: Absolutely. Um, Christine was a GI General Infantry in the United States Army during World War II, uh, but had identified as a woman since a very young age. Uh, as a teenager, she began to feel as though she was trapped in the wrong body. Many assumed that she was a gay man, but she held fast that she wasn't homosexual. She was a woman who happened to be in a man's body. After being honorably discharged from military service, Christine came across information about a Danish doctor named... Now, his name says Christian Hamburger, but I'm going to guess because he was Danish. It was something like Christian Hamburger, something like that, right? Something
1: something like sure. that.
0: Uh, who is experimenting with gender therapy by testing hormones on animals. Uh And this doctor, Christian Hamburger, would change her life forever. So Jorgensen's family, uh, her parents were both Danish. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she used her family connections to justify her trip without telling anyone the real reason she was going. Uh, she would later recall that Dr. Hamburger was one of the first people she met who didn't, uh, who didn't feel that there was anything particularly strange about the way she had felt her whole life. The two began Christine's transition through a long course of female hormones and encouraging her to dress as a woman in public. Uh, Hamburger closely monitored her changes and also had Christine routinely assessed by Dr. George Stirrup, uh, who accepted how deeply Christine desired to be a woman. Uh, Stirrup was the one who successfully petitioned the Danish government to change the law to allow castration for the purpose of their operation.
1: This is how you do it as a doctor, I think. Yeah think that like um you know believe people when they say that they want it and it's and it's not just about like i i've i've heard of a lot of transitions taking part uh also with like extensive like therapy yeah talk therapy psychotherapy all this kind of a lot stuff of counseling a lot of counseling and you i want to give the benefit of the doubt that that's another one benefit yeah. of the doubt uh that you that it is for the person transitioning, and not to convince the doctor that this is right or this is what. Well, they there's want.
0: a third. There's a third reason there, and a lot of it has to do with legal liability. You know, of just like when when you're going through. I assume once again, like I said, I've heard uh, that it is an issue of like states requiring. Uh, that the person goes through this kind of counseling and that uh, it's all BS. Um, now that's said, I don't think counseling is BS. Let me be clear. I think therapy is wonderful. I love therapy. Me too. I'm just saying that this idea of requiring convincing an organization, right? That's the BS part.
1: It's like requiring like your 60 hours of driving on your drive test. Right. Like it, it's it, it's one of those rules that seems like. Completely arbitrary. Who decided sixty? Right. Weird. And anyway. not only
0: that, What? like it's also a great point to like think that the idea of you could talk to someone and say like, okay, you're ready to do just like it was a driving hood is absolutely yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Uh, After more than a year of hormone therapy, Jorgensen went under the knife for the first of a series of operations to transition her to her true uh, identity. Uh, The first attempt at a modern sex change operation most likely took place in Berlin in the 1930s, but the surgery failed and the patient known as Lili Elby died as a result. Uh, Hoping to avoid this, the Danish team used the Berlin medical notes and proceeded with massive caution. Uh, And when all was said and done, there seems that there was no complications or side effects from the treatment. And Christine wrote to her parents back home. Nature made a mistake, which I have corrected. I am now your daughter.
1: Wow. What? That, that? So, surgery... Yikes! Scary at any time, especially when uh, there had been a a failure beforehand. Yeah. Especially when um, we talk about
0: the 1930s. So it's yeah. not like we're like you know machinery and and science and, and imaging doing, yeah, and
1: all, all of that kind of stuff. And to be to be like the first one, whew, that's that's a lot. That's well, a lot.
0: Think, uh, ooh, this is another reason that I get so frustrated and and live it now when there are people who think of of the this transitioning as like some kind of ploy to juice something. as like do you know how hard
1: or like a flippant decision is. at yes. all Yes.
0: and we were like oh they're just do it it's the reason like all the bathroom bill oh i was cursed again was so frustrating was like do you think that people are doing this for that ridiculous to their credit her family seemed to be very supportive of her decision and she later said that her mother had always known that her son had been different uh so upon her return to the u.s jorgensen was greeted with curiosity fascination and respect by the public and the media i think this is another example of like you know that that celebrating is not always the same as acceptance right um because she she faced very little hostility, um though I'm sure you know there there was plenty of ignorance. And this is once again, this is as we read about in the histories, right. This is not necessarily to say that there wasn't hostility and that there wasn't, you know, glances, that she wasn't treated differently, that there wasn't judgment. But that's not what the histories write about. Right. What they want to write about is like, uh, for example, Hollywood embraced her and theater and film cr- contracts rolled in and she was invited to A-list parties and she was crowned uh, Woman of the Year by the Scandinavian Society in New York. Um, which, I mean, great. All of that's great. Right. Uh, But, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I worry that, like I said, celebration gets in the way of normalization. Exactly. Um, She's quoted as saying, quote, everyone is both sexes in varying degrees. I am more of a woman than a man, end quote. Uh, unfortunately, her personal life was not as successful. Her first serious relationship broke down soon after their engagement, and her next almost ended in marriage, but... She was refused a marriage license when she uh, pulled out a birth certificate with her dead name on it.
1: Man, just the just the the bureaucratic, bureaucratic. There it is. Yeah. Red tape that a lot of of ignorance right. can provide. Ugh, it, it.
0: Well, and this is what I'm saying, right? Of this idea of like. She was celebrated, but then I was like, I would like to get married, like other people like, are allowed oh, to. Like, oh, no, not, I was like, well, not no, that one. No, you, I mean, you're not the same as us, right? That, like Exactly. That, it does not extend beyond. I mean, you see this now with a lot of companies here in Pride Month. You can find countless examples of companies this month, like, putting rainbows on things and then the rest of the year, not doing anything to right. benefit the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and, and I think that that is an example of what we're talking about. Um, a documentary filmmaker who, uh, got to know her very well was quoted as saying, uh, quote, there have had been ups and downs. And I think she had a little problem with alcohol, but in the end, she was very straightforward and told me that the best company she had was herself, end quote. Jorgensen died of cancer at the age of 62 in 1989, but not before she was able to travel back to Denmark for a reunion with the doctors who helped her through her transformation. Speaking to the media about her transition, she said, we didn't start the sexual revolution, but I think we gave it a good kick in the pants, end quote. Cool. So let's talk about the, the figures that inspired uh, this episode. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. So, Marsha B. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera are both legendary trans women who are famous for their involvement in the Stonewall uprising. They did so much more than that, though, so let's talk about them i'm doing a lot of hand movements. you really
1: are you're 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 very into this and it is exciting to watch
0: yes these are only for the benefit of teresa but i i get excited when i talk about cool historical figures also your hair enormous i I do just keep grabbing my hair and like (laughs) brushing it up uh, because that's what i do when i talk okay (laughs) None none of this is important Marsha B. I Johnson. I do like it. I do okay. like it. Marsha B. Johnson was born in 1945 in New Jersey, and she started wearing dresses when she was five years old, but reportedly stopped because of teasing. Aw, that's
1: sad. We want everybody to be themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. When she graduated from high school, she ran from her town in New Jersey to New York City with just a bag of clothes and $15 in her pocket she survived on the street by doing sex work and was known for her incredible persona often wearing flowers, fruit and christmas lights in her hair
1: i am i have take a lot of my uh, fashion inspiration from the uh, pinup community yeah and the hairstyles is what I love so much. All of the the flowers and the and the, pin, can and, yeah. the and the pins and I mean I've the, seen are, people the put hair like, is
0: a canvas.
1: Yeah, I've seen people put like little Christmas trees and um, what else have I seen? I've seen uh, I've definitely seen fruit. Yeah, I've seen huge ribbons and beautiful hats and fascinators. I'm into this.
0: Yes. Uh, despite the unbelievable amount of violence she faced, she was known for being open, optimistic, and a devout Christian. She was seen often praying for her friends at local churches, and because of her generosity and her kindness, people who knew her gave her the nickname St. Marcia. Also, whenever she was asked what the P stood for in her middle name, she always said, pay it no mind. (laughs) Um, So one of the people that Marcia famously looked out for was a Latinx woman named Sylvia Rivera, Sylvia fled to New York City when she was just 11 years old to escape her grandmother, who would beat her when she dressed up in makeup and feminine clothing. Uh, Sylvia's father left when she was a baby, and her mother died by suicide when she was just three years old. Uh, Sylvia had no one when she met Marcia. Uh, The two were both sex workers, but Marcia looked out for Sylvia, and Sylvia would go on to say that Marcia was like a mother to her. Marcia gave Sylvia a sense of stability and loved her in a way that Sylvia had never known before.
1: Community is so important. So it important. It really is. There's but, there's just that, no, there's no substitution for making your own family when you need it.
0: And I think that this is also a great example. This is something that I think you will see over and over and over again in LGBTQ plus stories is this idea of found family, mm-hmm. of just like you know that like we talked about last blood is thicker than water you know is that this idea of like the the family in the, that you in may, the
1: traditional sense in the
0: traditional sense blood it, of
1: the covenant is thicker than water of the womb
0: right that this idea of like you know the people who love you and accept you right find find your family yeah
1: they are your yeah. family
0: um so Now, both of these women are famous for their involvement in the Stonewall Uprising on Saturday, June 28th, 1969. So, on that night, the gay bar and dance club, the Stonewall Inn, was raided by police, and in an unheard-of move at the time, uh, the gay community fought back. So, during this time, gay bars were outlawed in New York City, and these raids, while common were gross violations of people's privacy uh, when the LGBTQ plus community was trying to just hang out and be themselves during these raids. People were told to line up against the wall. IDs were checked. And if a different gender was on your ID than the way you were presenting, you were taken to the bathroom and quote unquote checked. Ugh, yeah. Gross. Um, so this raid was particularly aggressive so much so that when police allowed people who were not under arrest to leave, they stayed and formed a crowd. Mm-hmm. And at first they were yelling and mocking the cops. But when cops arrested a lesbian woman named Stormy, she yelled, why don't you guys do something? And do something they did. Uh, so Marsha and Sylvia were definitely there. The myth is that one of them threw the first rock at the cops that led people to throw bottles, bricks, pennies, and whatnot. It pr-
1: sounds like everything yes, they had.
0: Whatever they could grab at the offending officers. Uh, this was discounted by both of them later because uh, Marsha went on record saying that she hadn't arrived at the club until after the pushback began and the Stonewall Inn was set on fire. Wow. And she is hilariously quoted as saying, I threw the second brick. I did not throw the first.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: The legend isn't important. What is important are the things both of these women did in the aftermath. The Stonewall Uprising lasted six days, and they were there for all of them. At one point, Marsha P. Johnson actually climbed up a lamppost and dropped a bag with a brick on it on a cop car.
1: Okay. Wait a second. She climbed up a lamppost?
0: Yes. Holding a brick bag with a brick Holding
1: a bag with a brick in it. Yes. That is... That is so cool. Yeah. That is, I, I, can you, can you climb up a lamppost holding a brick?
0: No. No. (laughs) No, I couldn't climb up a lamppost, period. (laughs) Me neither. Um, So when the uprising finally settled, Marcia and Sylvia helped create the Gay Liberation Front, an organization that fought for gay rights and gave way to more gay support groups around the globe, and they didn't stop there. In 1970, Sylvia and Marsha founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, and they soon had enough funds to purchase a house, which they called the STAR House, to house homeless LGBTQ plus youth. The two funded the house through sex work so that the kids who lived there wouldn't have to do it themselves. Starr went on to fight for other civil rights causes, including anti-police brutality and resources for marginalized people. Uh, when the trans rights cause began to dwindle in the mid seventies, the two women did not rest. Uh, the gay community at the time believed that asking for trans rights was too difficult to attain. So they switched their focus to gay rights because they thought that those had a better chance uh, at one rally. Uh, Sylvia tried to make a speech, but was booed by the crowd. Uh, she managed to grab the mic and yelled, "If it wasn't for the drag queens, there would be no gay liberation. We were the frontliners." And shortly after that speech, she attempted suicide. Uh, but Marsha saved her life.
1: Here's the thing, right? It's amazing that these women helped out their community so much, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't have to. We should all be there for them, you know. Yeah. And I I hope that 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 dream someday comes true for everybody. Yeah.
0: Uh, Both women continue to fight hard against the exclusion of trans people from the Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act in New York and continue to be loud and persistent voices for people of color and low-income LGBTQ plus people in need. Uh, Sylvia Rivera died of liver cancer in 2002, but Marsha P. Johnson's 1992 death uh, is still listed as mysterious circumstances. Uh, She was found in the Hudson River, and her death was ruled a suicide. But in 2016, Victoria Cruz of the Anti-Violence Project worked to get the case reopened. Her journey for justice is documented in the 2017 documentary, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. Which
1: is Uh, still on Netflix, by the way.
0: Uh, to this day, both of their memories continue to be honored by the Sylvia Rivera Law Project and the Marsha P. Johnson Institute and several other foundations and organizations that serve disenfranchised LGBTQ plus people. New York City is even in talks to erect a statue of the both of them. Uh, and, Very cool. Uh, and I mentioned uh, the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. So for this month, we, uh, across the macro shows, have been donating ad revenue. We didn't have any ads this week, but Schmaner's is still going to be donating money to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute uh, and the Sylvia Rivera Law Project. And we would encourage you to do the same. Uh, And if you're looking for resources, uh, you know,
1: other places to donate, uh, Mm -hmm. GLAAD.org. Which is
0: G-L-A-A-D.org, just in case you didn't know that.
1: The Trevor Project.org or the National Center for Transgender Equality.
0: Yep. So check those out. Uh, and once again, just a reminder, we love you and support you and you are you and you are normal.
1: If there are other, um, topics that you would like us to discuss, you can email us Gmail, uh, Schmanners cast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, and we are always taking those suggestions. So please send those in. Um, when we do a, uh, an episode that we take questions for. You can submit your questions uh, to our Twitter at Schmanner's Cast.
0: Uh, I'm also going to say this is not something that uh, we normally call for, but because so many of this, these these uh, figures. You know, we talk about that history is written by the victors and these people are not nearly talked about enough. So it's quite possible that we made some factual errors in here, whether we, you know, it's factual errors about the individual or about, you know, transgender, you know, facts or anything like that. So if that is the case please we would encourage you to tweet at us schmanner's cast uh to let us know and then if there are uh you know factual errors we will retweet them so that we make sure that people who listen to and follow schmanner's uh know the facts because that is important uh so if if there's anything that we need to correct or anything along those lines please please let us know at schmanner's cast um go check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org and you can check out all the other Macroy projects at Uh, also if you go to uh, we have a Phantasmal and Resplendent pin uh, which is a, a, a reference to the Adventure Zone as well as uh, a Good Out Here t-shirt which is another Adventure Zone reference uh, for both of those the proceeds go to the Trevor Project uh, so go check those out Uh, Let's see who what else do we
1: thank we always thank brent brental black for writing our theme music which is available as a ringtone where those are found also thank you to kayla m wassell for our twitter thumbnail art thank you to bruja betty Pennett photography for the cover picture of our fan run facebook group called the schmanners fanners and you can join that if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans um. Also, thank you to our research assistant, Alex.
0: Yes, without Alex, we would not be able to do this episode or most episodes. <laughs> so thank you, Alex. And that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it.